Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter. We're going to continue our study of different profiles of people that's within the Bible. And today we're going to talk about a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. Perhaps there is no New Testament personality that has been more misrepresented than Mary called Magdalene. So often as people who have studied her have referred her back to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through verse 50, of where she kissed the feet of the Lord Jesus and she was known as a prostitute and the Lord had saved her. But however, the first appearance of Mary Magdalene is found in the 8th chapter. It's two different Marys or two different women that you might suspect there. Luke chapter 8 is an entirely a new section of Luke. And he's speaking of two separate individuals. But Luke chapter 8 verse 2 speaks about this one called Mary. And we're going to look at her for a few moments. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? We're just going to read verse 2. But I'm going to go back and refer to several other verses later on into the message concerning her life. It said in Luke chapter 8 verse 2, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Very interesting as we begin to think about this particular lady. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you that your Holy Spirit may speak to our hearts. And Lord, this particular lady of how she was so devoted to you, help us to be reminded that she, like us, experienced a tremendous change when Christ came into her life. Help us, dear Lord, to have the same type of excitement and zeal and the same type of faithfulness that she had. Father, I pray for your filling of your Holy Spirit Anoint us with your power, and may Christ be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Find it interesting, as you go and you think about this particular Mary, of how she had been so misrepresented down through the years. And I simply believe, because she was the very first one that saw Jesus that had been raised from the grave. 
And I think it's, big, it's been Satan's attempt to try to misrepresent her down through the years. Even some have said that she experienced hallucinations. She experienced tremors. But I remind you, it was not a hallucination that day, that very first Sunday morning when she looked into that tomb and she saw that that tomb was empty. And then she saw the one that we know that is Jesus Christ. That was not a hallucination. That was a very fact. But even in our own day and time, there have been those that have been trying to misrepresent Mary Magdalene. You may have recalled the movie, The Da Vinci Code, or, uh, as there in that particular setting, in that story, it stated that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had an intimate relationship and that they even had children. I believe that was a nothing but a blasphemy, but also a liberal attempt to disrepresent who Mary Magdalene really is. In 1970, William E. Phillips published He published a book stating, Was Jesus Married? The Distortion of Sexuality in the Christian Tradition. And in the book, he argued that the silence about the marital status of Jesus in the Bible indicates that Jesus was very much married. Well, as I said earlier, I believe that's nothing but blasphemy. And I think it's nothing but something to try to not only discredit the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to discredit Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is a beautiful lady that we're going to find who loved the Lord with all of her heart, with all of her mind, with all of her soul, because of what God did in her life. There was nothing improper about their relationship. Nothing inappropriate about their relationship. She loved him just like God expects you to love him. And she served him just like God expects you to serve him. What I want to do is to take this lady, Mary Magdalene, for a few moments. And I want to just look into her heart. And I believe as you will look into her heart, you're going to see three dynamic truths. First of all, I want you to notice Mary's grateful heart. Mary's grateful heart. In Luke chapter 8, verse 2, well, we're told of how there had been a glorious transformation in her life. The Bible says there in verse 2. Now, notice what it says. 
It says, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits. In other words, they had been possessed by demons. And the Bible goes on to say, and infirmities. In other words, their body had been afflicted by disease. But Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Mary called Magdalene. Magdalene is is a reference to Magala, which is a region of Galilee. In other words, that is referring to where she is from. And so it speaks of here was a woman that had come to the Lord Jesus Christ with an evil spirit. She had been demon-possessed. And Christ had looked upon her and realized her circumstances and he identified her. And the Bible reminds us in Mark chapter 16 verse 9. It said, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. In other words, seven demons Christ had delivered from her. What a transformation. What a tremendous change that had come into her life. She had experienced a changed life. Can you imagine I don't know how long she had had these demons in her life, but no doubt it must have been quite some time. And that the Lord Jesus Christ immediately recognized these demons. And by immediately recognizing them, he knew that she needed to be set free. And immediately the Bible talks about that there came a changed life into her. Now, when I think about that. The specific number of demons designated that probably she was the worst of all the women that he had met at that particular time that was possessed with demons. Seven. But I think about your life and my life. I think about the day that I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I did not... I was not possessing demons in my life, but I was influenced by the demon, demonic world. The Bible reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It says, walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And so therefore, my friend, when Christ saved us, he saved us from that type of setting. What a transformation. What a change. And I want you to see the the change that came into her life. Can you imagine the excitement that she began to experience? To know that no longer controlled by the demonic powers, but now she is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. She is now controlled by God himself. And... The freedom that she experienced. There's an old gospel song. 
I remember growing up hearing, and the chorus goes something like this. He set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus to see. Glory to God, he set me free. Amen. My friend, if you've been saved, you can sing that song. He set me free. And that's exactly what was happening in her life. That it changed her life in such a dramatic way that she no doubt could be singing, He set me free, He set me free. I'm glory bound. He set me free. Praise the Lord. But you know what? When God changes your life, automatically there comes a desire of wanting to serve Him. And there you begin to notice in her heart a committed life. A committed life. Luke chapter 8 verse 1, it reads something like this. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And then in the opening verses of verse 2, it says, And they were certain women, indicating that Mary Magdalene, as well as other women that Jesus has healed. And it says there in verse 3, Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Immediately you began to notice that these women began to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever the Lord went, they began to follow him. And the Bible even began to talk about that they ministered to him in their substance. In other words, they provided possibly meals for him. They provided things for him to sustain him as he was on his evangelistic journey. As the Bible says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. They wanted to serve him, and they were committed to the task. So they took their material wealth, and they gave it to the Lord, and they provided physical needs to the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing about it. They followed him. Everywhere Jesus and his disciples went, they went along with him. Now, you must understand the custom of that day. For women to follow men like that, that was very scandalous because women were not supposed to do that. But Mary Magdalene, she was so committed to the Lord. She was willing to reap the scorn of others to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Willing to endure that scorn. Willing to pay the price. She was committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that when Christ came into my heart, immediately there became a desire in my life to want to serve Him. I, I, I sometimes wonder about people who claim to be saved that they don't want to serve. 
That you have to beg them and beg them and beg them to serve. My friend, when Christ changes your life and you know that he's changed your life, there comes a desire within you that I want to serve my master. I want to serve the Lord. And that's, you see, that's so clear. In the life of Mary Magdalene, she was, she not only had a changed life, but she had a committed life. Her desire, I believe, was as Paul would have said, for me to live is Christ. That my desire is to serve you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my substance. And it doesn't matter what the price may be. And no doubt, Mary Magdalene had to pay a price along with these other women because of possibly the scandalous reports of women following the Lord Jesus. But I want us to go a step further. And I want us to go a little bit deeper into the heart of Mary. And I not only want to see her grateful heart of where she had been changed, now committed, but also I want you to notice the grieving heart of Mary. The grieving heart of Mary. After Mary was introduced in Luke chapter 8, you don't hear much about Mary in the Bible until you come to John chapter 19. And in John chapter 19 and verse 25, we find Mary now at the foot of the cross. Her following Jesus has taken her all the way to the cross. Now, this is what the scripture says in verse 25. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. The three Marys is there at the cross. And you began to notice of how Mary began to be exactly where she wanted to be. And she followed the Lord Jesus Christ all the way to the cross. Now I want you to stop and think with me for a moment of what she must have endured while she was there at the cross. Can you imagine as she felt the anguish and seeing the pain of the Lord Jesus Christ, watching him being whipped by that Roman soldier? Can you imagine what she must have thought as they took those nails and they began to beat that hammer into the palm of the Lord Jesus Christ? I can almost imagine the tears streaming from her eyes down her cheeks as that soldier took that spear and pierced the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each agonizing hour passed. 
Her heart was aching for the one that she loved and the one that she was willing to follow. And now she is seeing him being put to death in such a horrible, horrible way. But you know what? As you watch that, you notice immediately of her doubtless love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't a question about how much she loved the Lord because she demonstrated by her being there at the cross because of having that deep love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was almost like a a grieving family member there staying to the very bitter end. Mary followed that mob to Golgotha's hill. Love brought her to the cross. And my friend, as I think about Mary's love brought her to the cross, can you imagine as she was there at that cross that all doubts could have possibly been removed of how much she loved the Lord Jesus Christ. I can almost imagine as as Jesus was on the cross and he looked down and he saw his mother and he saw Mary Magdalene. And he saw their eyes wrenched with tears. And he re- was reminded how much they loved him. See, it's easy to stand up and to say, oh, how we love Jesus. But it's another thing to go all the way to the cross and stay there at the cross. Heard about a little fellow one time. He was trying to express to an older gentleman how much he loved his mother. He said, I love my mother with all my strength. He said, well, that's a rather... The gentleman said, well, that's a rather strange way to express your love for your mother. He said, oh, you don't understand. He said, we live in an apartment building and we're on the fourth floor. And he said... We heat with coal. And the coal is in the basement of the floor. And there's no elevator. And I make sure that the coal bin is always filled. And when I come up and I bring those coals up to our apartment, it's a long way. And they get very heavy. Would you not say, I love my mother with all my strength? (laughs) You know what the Bible says, don't you? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. With all that's within me. I love you, Lord. And I'm willing to go all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. But not only was it a doubtless love, but you can see that it was an endless love. 
It's interesting that when you come around the cross, the people that are around the cross, but not only the people around the cross, but the people that are not around the cross. The Bible talks about the three Marys there at the cross. But where, and the Bible talks about John being there at the cross. But where are the other disciples? They're gone. They have forsaken the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is Peter? Where is James? Where is Mark? Where are these guys? Why, these guys had walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. Peter said, I'll die for you, Lord. But they're not at the cross. A sad commentary found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I believe as Jesus was on the cross that he not only saw John, his beloved disciple, and he saw the three Marys, but he also, his heart was grieved that He didn't see his other disciples. My, my, my. Adam Clark, a great theologian, he wrote this. And and this is what he said. Was every master so served by his scholars Was ever a parent so treated by his children? Is there not as much zeal and love among them all as might make one martyr for God and truth? Alas, no. He had but twelve who professed inviolable attachment to him. One of these betrayed him and another and with him and with his with oaths and the rest run away and utterly abandon him to his implacable enemies. How sad. Others may have forsaken him, but not Mary. Mary was right there. She didn't run. She didn't hide. She didn't deny him. She wasn't afraid that others might identify her with him. See, her love was not conditional. That's what's wrong with a lot of marriages today. Marriages, their love is based upon conditions. I love you if you do certain things. I love you if you don't do certain things. And have you noticed, that's the way a lot of people are with, with, with God as well. God, I love you as long as you bless me. 
God, I will serve you as long as you'll take care of me. And then when things don't go right, what do they do? They throw their hands up and they go and they leave. Oh, my friend. I'm always reminded of Hudson Taylor, great, great man of God, great missionary. He was talking to some young people one day. And they were wanting to be missionaries. And he asked them, he said, why do you want to go across the waters and to share the gospel? One girl stood up and she said, well, because God has told us that that's what we're supposed to do. Another one says, well, if we don't go, people will die and they will go to hell and we must go. He said, all that is good. He says, but sometimes that might not be enough when your life is threatened. And that your life might be to the point that it may be taken. Unless the love of God constrains you to go. You may never make it. I'm reminded of what the scriptures tells us. The scriptures tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us. Oh, my friend, I reminded to you that the foundation, the foundation of our love and service and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ is love with all of our heart, with all of our commitment and all of our mind and with all of our soul. That's why you hear about people like an Annie Armstrong or a Lottie Moon or a Hudson Taylor or other great men and women who gave their life for the cause of Christ because of the love that they had for the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go quickly and go back and let's look at Mary's heart again. We have talked about Mary's heart. And we've talked about how grateful her heart was. That it was changed and it was committed. We've talked about her grieving heart there around the cross. But all her grieving heart only lasted just a little way, a little while. Only three days. Because there comes the gladdened heart. Praise God, the gladdened heart. Grief that filled Mary's heart was short-lived. Just three days, her sorrow had turned to rejoicing. She had turned her grieving heart to a gladdened heart. John chapter 20 verse 1 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, Ed saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
I love what Warren Wiersbe said. Warren Wiersbe made a statement concerning this very thing. He said, if the Gospel of John were an ordinary biography, there would be no chapter 20. He says, I am an incurable reader of biographies. He says, and I noticed that almost all of them conclude with the death and the burial of the subject. I have yet to read one that describes the subject's resurrection from the dead. The fact that John continued his account and shared the excitement of the resurrection miracle is proof that Jesus Christ is not like any other man. He is indeed the Son of God. Amen. Amen. I love Warren Wiersbe, but especially this statement that he made here. Thank God John has chapter 20 in his book. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was no chapter 20, my friend, you might as well cut out the lights, lock the door, and go home. There's no purpose of us being here. But think just for a moment. Two things. Number one, the absence of her Lord. The absence of Mary's Lord. The Bible tells us That Mary comes to the tomb. And when she comes to the tomb, she sees that the stone has been taken away from the tomb. And we read in verse 2 in chapter 20, it says, Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. In other words, she thought that somebody had stolen the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was her first thought. And she goes and she runs and she jumps to the conclusion that this has happened. Mary was like many of the other followers. They did not understand what Jesus was saying when he said in John chapter 2 verse 19, destroy the temple and three days I will raise it up. They thought he was talking about Herod's temple. He was talking about his body. He was talking about his body. He was speaking about his body. It says in verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. He was not talking about a building, but he was talking about his own body. John chapter 22, John chapter 2 verse 22 says, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And that they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. My. Now you can imagine. A lot has happened in the last three days. 
Mary wasn't thinking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she jumps to the conclusion, somebody just taken his body. But oh, my friend, did she have something special in store for her. And that brings me to my last point, and that is the appearance of the Lord. The Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping as she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. That word weeping is an interesting word. Back in the days of Jesus, that many of those that had lost a loved one, there would be loud lamentations. They would be expressing their weeping in a loud manner. That was a characteristic of the Jewish people of that day. But then the Bible says in verse 12, look at this, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of the Je- body of Jesus had laid. Two angels were positioned. One at the head and one at the foot. Very much like the cherubims would sit at the mercy seat. And then they said to Mary, they said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary still thinks his body has been taken. And then Mary turns. And the Bible says in verse 14, in John chapter 20, and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 32, reminds us of the time Jesus concealed himself to the two men on the Emmaus Road. And it was almost as if he had concealed himself to Mary for a little while. But then the Bible says, Jesus said to her in John chapter 20, verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She said, she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then look in verse 16 in John chapter 20. Jesus said unto her, Mary. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When, she, when Jesus said to him, Mary... Immediately, she recognized that he was the resurrected son of the living God. Immediately. Isn't that amazing of how personal the Lord gets to us in a time of need? He calls us by name. He realized that Mary was there seeking to find him, and she says, Mary. It's almost as if he was saying, Mary, look at me. I've come back. And I've come back, and I've come back victorious 
over the death and the grave and hell. I've come back with the keys of victory, Mary. And oh, I believe Mary started jumping as high as you can imagine. She's doing somersaults back and forth. I mean, you know, it was amazing of what she experienced. I have a new appreciation for Mary Magdalene today. I really do. She went from the gutter to the cross to the crown. Can you imagine? And my friend, you know what? What she experienced is exactly what you and I can experience today. You do not know Christ as Savior, friend. You're under the dominion powers of Satan. He's going to direct you and guide you and lead you down the path that leads to death. But when you walk the path of righteousness, the pathway to the cross, like Mary did, it'll change your whole total perspective about yourself and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this dear, dear sweet lady. Thank you for her commitment. Thank you for her zeal, her excitement. To know that she was the very first to see the Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Lord, just like you changed her life, you've changed ours. And Lord, you've put a zeal and a desire in our hearts today to serve you, to be committed, to go with you all the way to the cross. Lord, there's people here today needs to come back to the cross. A lot like the disciples, they left you. And they've gone out and done their own thing. But they need to come back to the cross. And renew that love and renew that walk with you. Lord, I pray that you will bless during this moment. As this is such a special moment of invitation where people will make a decision to walk with you and to follow you and to carry out your will for their life. So, Lord Jesus, use this moment for your glory. In Jesus we pray.